You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, Perth. Welcome to a beautiful spring morning on the 7th of October. It is Trent Fleskins here, your host of the Perth Property Show. As always, we spend every Monday morning getting subject matter experts and the number one real estate agent in for a new suburb to have a chat about uh, what's going on in the market. And today's a special one. I thought instead of getting an external subject matter expert in to talk about finance or tax, I thought I would look back at the questions we're getting on our website. They're starting to bank up and I thought instead of trying to wait for the next subject matter expert to come in, we'd smash them all out in one Q&A episode. So it's just me today. Hopefully that's okay with everyone. We're going to kick straight into a range of questions on interest rates, subdivision, general market stuff. So first question we have today, it is Steve from Pabri. Steve's asked, there's a lot of spin in the property market at the moment. One second, it's going back up. The next, it's staying down. What is actually going on, Trent? Well, Steve, I guess the reason one second it's going up and the other second it's going down is because every week you'll get new organizations coming out with new data. So that might be CoreLogic or Rewa, places like that. And then news outlets such as The West come out and cherry pick little piece of information to see what headline they can grab. And usually it uh, really doesn't make sense when you piece them all together over the space of a couple of weeks. Most of the time it's alarmist because that's what sells papers and gets people's eyes on the TV. Now, what is actually going on? For me, I can really only explain the situation with the analogy I usually use and that is the smart money moves first. Now, That may seem a little condescending to some, but the reality is for me, at least what I notice and I see on both sides of the cycle is that both on an upward swing or a downward swing, it is the, I guess, the most expensive suburbs that make that first movement. Uh, What we're seeing at the moment, Steve, is a uh, market where you've got the western suburbs hitting days on market stats that are pretty much at you know just just under boom levels they're in the early 40s now so anything in the 30s would be considered really a uh, upward market so places like Wellup, Shenton Park, Florida, Wembley, uh, Netherlands uh, all these places are now in the early 40s for days on market stat so that's a sign that the buyer seller market really quite tight there and we haven't really seen a lot of price growth yet but we definitely haven't seen any losses Uh, so that market there is pretty solid already it's really that market from i'd say 800,000 down that is still waiting for buyer pressure that's what it is The, the selling side the you know people are putting properties on the market just like they did a year ago Nothing's really changed on the selling side of the equation. It's the buying side where we're waiting to see um, just more volume and that's more confidence. That's uh, people having more disposable equity, uh, not just income, but equity. A good part of that equation is that the assessment rates, the serviceability side of things really has been helped out by the backing off of banks in the last few months. So people really should be able to afford those loans if they're aspirational to do so on that upgrade. But it's really people's availability of equity, I think. A lot of people are expecting to be able to sell out of their home, have a certain amount of money and then move out. But they're probably finding that when they get an appraisal from the real estate agent, it's just not there at the moment. And that's because the weakest market is the market underneath about $450,000. These are the people that have most likely been hit 
hardest from the downturn of the mining boom. They're the ones that have gone into jobs where they were paid double what they used to be paid and then have set their lives up that way and now looking for jobs back at that original $70,000, $80,000 a year. And, and that's what people are finding tough is, is dealing with those loans. And that's why you have that mortgagee in possession level, which is a lot higher at the lower end of the market. So really, what I would say is we've got two tiers of an economy right now. We've got a property market that is above the $800,000 range, which is actually getting on with it. Uh, things are moving along. And then you've got most of the rest of the market there where as a sliding scale, from 800 to 500 if you've got a good property it sells fine if you're the worst property on the street it's not going to do well and then under that five hundred thousand dollar mark yeah you really want to have new product to be doing well and if not then you probably won't be getting as a seller the money you're looking for so that's getting a lot of people also to hold back and wait essentially next question and from wattle grove i have just refinanced my mortgage is now under three percent we would like to move out of Wattle Grove, but don't want to sell right now. Any ideas? And uh, Anna, sorry, this is a situation I think where uh, if you maybe just like to get out of the suburb in terms of a lifestyle, there's probably no better time than to put your property up as a rental. Uh, you most likely be positively geared. Rents are starting to tick up now, uh, which is a good sign as a leading indicator for property prices in general. You'll most likely find that it won't, at least won't cost you anything to rent your property out and have that pay for the mortgage. And then you can go live in a suburb for the time being where you're more aspirational for, see if that suits you. And then hopefully over the next year or so, Wattle Grove does get a bit more strength and you might even be able to find you could you know, sell to the tenant, for example. So these ideas there just give you that ability to move on with your life without being stuck or feeling stuck with the asset you've got. Separate the idea of house and home. Next question, Baz from Willoughby. Hi guys, I own a property in Willoughby and was wondering if I could subdivide it. How do I find out will I make any money? Okay, Baz, first place you would go, uh, the easiest place to really identify this in Willoughby is what are your neighbors up to? Has anyone in your street done a subdivision? Maybe it's a house behind a house or a knockdown and and a triplex. Willoughby's got a couple of zonings that I really recognize and that's an R25 or an R40. They've got some R2060 back onto the Leach Highway area as well. But I'm thinking you're probably in that R25 space if you're thinking about subdivision and hopefully if you are, you most likely will be able to subdivide as most of those properties are 700 square meters. Now, how do you find this out for sure? Well, I would be going on to the City of Melville Intramaps website. So just type in City of Melville Intramaps and that will give you an understanding. You can just go on the mapping system and it should have some layered detail there as to what the zoning is. If you have any further questions about that, you can always give us a buzz at the Perth Property Show. Siobhan McHale is a great real estate agent out there as well. I would say you should give her a call too and she should be able to give you some more information. Will you make any money? Well, it depends on what you paid for the house you're living in, the house you own. But generally, there's a bit of money to be made in Willoughby right now. The change up isn't uh, amazing, but there's still some profit being made in Willoughby from what I'm seeing from people on the street. I really would say that is dependent on what you paid for the initial block. However, in general, that exercise of subdivision, as long as you do it efficiently on a cost and time basis, really should make you money anyway. How much just depends on what you paid in the first place. Hope that answers the question. Aaron from Bayswater. Hi Trent, you focus a lot on property development in the show and it's good to know about the zoning each week from different agents, but where can I learn how to actually do a development or a subdivision without a builder trying to sell me something? Uh, Aaron, awesome question. Enjoy that question. 
what that means for us on the property show is we need to maybe get a little de- bit deeper, maybe get a subject matter expert in to chat more about development. So I hope that would prick a few people's ears up. In terms of getting a crash course, there are a couple of masterclasses, sort of subdivision workshops around town. Uh, we've got one at Strategic that we hold at UWA and the next one's actually this Saturday. Four hours of super dense information, exercises, case studies. It's a real team environment down there. We cap it out at 25-ish people so that everyone gets involved. So that will run you through exactly how to get on with the idea and the economics of it and make sure you're not getting ripped off and make sure you just understand the processes and why you're doing it in the first place. But yeah, I would say uh, there's a couple of those around town and at the very least start joining some uh, forums and we'll make sure that we start putting a bit more information on the property show about that. Maddie from Sorrento. Trent, if you had $450,000 in your pocket today, would you buy in Caratha or Perth? That is a very good question. I think it depends on your goals and your risk profile. Every property, every market has a different buyer and different reasons to get in. If you were looking to get in and out on a passive hold for the next couple of years, I would not go past Caratha. Uh, there's obviously its risk factors involved, but that place has the fundamentals for some real growth in the next couple of years. However, you have to understand that if you're in it for a passive hold, generally you want to be in for 10 to 20 years and there are some serious extreme roller coaster rides to sustain throughout a investment journey in Caratha. So be aware of that. But if it's for a short time, I would say that getting into Caratha now would be the time if you're planning on doing that. Just also be aware that much higher costs in terms of uh, maintenance and insurance. So the yields aren't as sexy as they seem, but they are still very good. They're consummate to the risk. But if it was a medium term or a development you're looking to do, where you're looking to extract quite a bit of wealth from that development, Perth is the way to go. Caratha uh, is a no-go zone for that sort of thing. But with Perth, you really need to know your demographic, your pockets, your suburbs, your local planning policies. I highly recommend before you would do that, you definitely skill up in that space. Learn from the experts. Hope that one answered that, Maddie. Vince from Hall's Head. We're getting through these quick. I've got four properties around Mandra, and none of them are going anywhere. Yeah, I would have thought so. That Mandra has really struggled in the last few years, Vince, so I understand that. Uh, Should I suck it up and hold or sell up and get myself a development closer to Perth? Okay, this depends really on your personal situation. I always say don't sell unless you have to. Now, the reason you would sell and the have to part, really it comes down to if you are adamant you want to move on with your development or property ownership goals, I should say, your investment portfolio, and the only way you'll have the serviceability or the equity uh, to do so is by selling up one of your properties or two or three of your properties in Mandra, then that's what you have to do. You would start by understanding which of the four properties you currently have is the least profitable opportunity in the future, which one do you think maybe has the most maintenance concerns or is the least likely to have growth in the future is the most hassle for you and you would sell that one. Uh, That's the one you would divest, you would liquidate. That may be the one that gets you far enough in terms of equity or servicing to move on in Perth in a development that you've said, then that's what you would do. It really comes down to thinking in this way. I like to think of my investment choices as if I didn't own those properties in the first place. So obviously there's a transactional cost being selling fees, what was capital gains cost too if you've made made a profit to consider. But I always like to ask, if I didn't own these four properties in Mandarin in the first place, would I buy them again or would I go on do that development property purchase and process with that money? Now, 
The answer for me, if it was me in this situation, would certainly not be to buy any of those properties in Mandra, just to be straight up with you. So I would say if that is holding you back, start selling off your least profitable holds in the future in Mandra, as many as you need to essentially to get on with your goals in Perth. However, if you don't need to do that and the banks will let you lend or you've got the equity to move forward, then don't sell and uh, hope for some gains and move on with your goals in Perth. All right, final question we've got, and it is from Averly. It is Amy. Hi, Trent. I tried to refinance, but the bank told me I can't because I don't have any equity in my home. The repayments are killing me. Do you have any solutions? P.S. My interest rate is 4.05%. Amy, I'm really sorry to hear this. I do have to say, though, this is not a surprise in Averly. I've seen a lot of this in that area. The tough part, I guess, for Averly is there's a couple of points here. There's a lot of people here are on Keystart loans that have been organized through the building companies. This puts you in a very precarious position from day one, not really having any fat there if the market does drop. But it also means that you don't have 20% and you wouldn't be able to refinance until you made 20% in the market, of which we've all seen. Ellenbrook, Averly, they've all lost 20, 30% at least in the last few years. So you're that far behind on it. The reality is also there's just a massive oversupply in Ellenbrook and Averley and it's not going to stop. There's unlimited land on that frontier of Perth and even if you had a massive increase in demand, all that's going into house and land packages because everyone wants a sexy new home in that area and it just uh, goes one for one with the supply. So I don't see growth happening, Amy, unfortunately. I think you've got a couple of options here. Sell out, cut your losses. I think that's a real option for you to consider in Averley. And again, this is just general advice. I'm really uh, not sure of your personal situation any further than this. But if you're not keen on selling, you're happy living there. It's just a family home and, and, and you enjoy that lifestyle, which is totally fair enough. Uh, the last option you really have, given you can't refinance, would be to switch over to a fixed rate. If you're in 4.05%, fixed rates are now in the 2% for owner-occupied properties. So hopefully you're not with Keystart. And if that's the case, your bank should have a fixed rate option that is below 3% really now, uh, or at least in the low threes. So that should save you a good 25% on your interest um, payments for the month. And hopefully that's enough to uh, keep your head above water until things look a little rosier in the area. Guys, thanks a lot for that. Uh, I know that was a really quick in and out. I'm hoping that was a fresh change up from our usual setup. Now, today for our Suburb Spotlight, we are talking about Kareen. To have that conversation, we've got our number one agent for Kareen. It is Karen Riches. Karen, thank you very much for coming and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Kareen is one of those family strongholds in the north. For me, I look at it like a Winthrop or a Dianella sort of suburb where it hasn't really had massive hit in terms of prices going up or down. It really has its purpose. It's a very safe family community, but it's also you know a suburb where people aspire to be as well. Yeah, it's a very resilient suburb, I think. I kind of compare it to a blue chip style stock. It's something that performs well in, in no matter what the market's doing. It um, It's probably one of the first to go up and one of the last to, to come down and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's a more of a second and third home purchase area so people are moving there for for a need as opposed to to a want so it doesn't get as affected by market movement as like a first home buyer area does it's yeah you're right I guess that sentiment really is if they're going to buy in it's for the long term and where there's a little bit of fear or even pressure in the market it doesn't really affect the people that are selling and those motivations aren't as strong or needy, I guess, as some other suburbs. Absolutely. And, and the stock levels in there are quite low as well for the suburb. There's only an average of 80 to 90 sales a year in there. 
uh, with a, you know homes of there's 2000 just over 2300 so not a lot comes on the market and people that are are in the suburb don't really move that often you know people are buying in there for the the whole school life really because it's very school focused area so they're moving in for you know from primary school all the way to to their kids finish up at um, high school so they're there for you know 15 20 30 years is is very common in that area i guess you can be it's also in a price point where you could probably do well on a renovation 10 years in as well and and it wouldn't be a waste of money yeah if if done right definitely i guess the land value component is still quite high there though for the age of the houses so it does depend um, on the home it's it's probably not the type of area that yeah you would flip a property for instance but um yeah if you're staying there for a longer term it's forgiving i guess now you just referenced the age of the properties can you give us some background as to when properties were first built in this area when was kareen first annexed as a suburb and uh, some fun facts some history we always like to talk about something a little bit interesting about our suburb before just getting into the the numbers yeah no definitely well um, i guess it was originally developed into market gardens and farms in the 60s uh, and then in 19 or through the 1970s i think it was the reed highway was put in um, and that really kind of put it a bit more on the map. It would have opened the whole suburb up. Yeah, yep. And then the, the high school came in in 1973. And then kind of from 75 onwards, that was when the residential side got developed. Um, fun fact for Corrine, I guess the name of it was to, derived from two swamps in the area. So that's quite interesting. And the swamps are still there. And it's still such a big part of the suburb as well. You know, the Kareen open space and parklands take up over a third of the suburb. Mm. So it's a really nice, um, comfortable area, but still close to the beach and close to access to the freeways and the city. So it's it's very convenient for people. We hear about this place called Kareen Glades Estates. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about what that means? Well, funnily enough, Kareen Glades Estate isn't actually part of Kareen. A lot of people think it is. It's actually in Duncraig. Oh, there you go, right? Yeah. So what happened What happened there? Someone's just looked at the map wrong and said, oh, geez. Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. But um, but yeah, a lot of people do associate it with Kareen and it is just north of Kareen. You know, Kareen finishes at, at Beach Road and it's just on the other side. Um, mm. But I guess it was developed at a, a later stage. It's um, But it, it isn't actually technically part of Kareen. Do you see a lot of movement between suburbs, between Dunkraig and Kareen? Obviously, you have school zones as well that cut off but overlap. Particularly in the last few years when they changed the zoning through City of Joondalup because Dunkraig is in City of Joondalup and Kareen's in City of Stirling. And when they changed the zoning through there, we saw quite a big trend and still are of people selling out of Dunkraig and moving into Kareen to avoid the development. So people, I guess, were maybe originally buying into Duncraig on these bigger homes, bigger blocks for that that lifestyle. And then when it was all changed, then a lot of those people weren't really comfortable with that living anymore, that type of apartments next door scenario. So we had a a big influx of of buyers then looking into Crean because Crean is still in the R20 single residential zoning. I guess the demographics be pretty similar. Oh, absolutely. I guess Duncraig's got um, Duncraig High School that um, covers a lot of the suburb, mind you, um, from Warwick Road South, that is in the Kareen um, High School boundary at the moment. So there is still an overlap, and and I do sell both suburbs. But um, but yeah, there's there's more of an overlap between South Duncraig and and Kareen than the northern part. When I look at that, I use an analogue of the Rossmoyne 
Williton sort of area where you've got the same sort of effect of school zonings where things overlap in half of a suburb and whatnot. Yeah. You notice that that half of the suburb really does have a lot more strength in that buyer-seller relationship in good times and bad. And when you've got, that's why I mean, obviously we're talking about Kareen here, but for Duncraig, when you're talking about that school, mm. it's got both of those great schools always putting that pressure on it does yeah and it's interesting even within the suburb there's there's different pockets of of demand like the walkability to the school is a huge thing and you know i've i've kind of named the different zones of kareen as you know central kareen which is is around the school um and then there's a an eastern and a a southern kareen as well of, of what i call it um, but there's demand within that. You know, people want to be in that walking distance to the school. There's there's generally a higher price um, to be paid because of that. Whereas when you go into that South Duncraig, that you've got to walk over Beach Road, which is quite a busy road. So you know, the interest is still more around walking to the school, definitely. And you've got the primary school there as well, right next door. So I guess when we're talking about the school so much, my assumption would be that the people buying from your young parents you know in that maybe 40 year old parents and selling from you would be mid 50s parents whose ha- whose kids have come through the other end is that correct Pre- pretty much yeah yeah so we are we do still get a couple of young couples that are thinking for the future but mainly it is it's it's people with younger kids that are wanting to take their kids to the the primary school there or depending on the house the next level up would be maybe a teenage family that are just entering the high school side so and and definitely your your sellers are your um, your baby boomers at the moment really in their 60s and 70s generally or people that might be moving to be closer to to the beach more aspirational move though a lot of people move from kareen through to the other side of marmion avenue as they say north beach marmion yeah yeah that makes i mean look makes sense yeah and and that's what that next level of density around those areas is for is for that transition if Mm. they want it and i like the idea that kareen is protected in that way to still provide that family lifestyle and only that family lifestyle Uh, the other question i have for you is um, we see this a lot in you know, Greenwood, Kingsley. We've had the top agents there have a chat about it. this. Is there an insularity in the suburb where the kids will come through and then come back? Have you seen much of that? Absolutely. You're spot on, actually. And um, we do see a lot of people that have you know, grown up in Kareen or have gone to the Kareen High School and they're moving back for their, their next life stage of having kids and they're thinking of that for them. And it's funny that you say that because it, it's so true in there. Yeah. 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 A lot of people have got that. Yeah, that memory of, of being in a good area and going to a good school. And the school is performing really well at the moment as well. In the last four or five years, it's really picked up. So that's become even more important. I think it's always had a good name. It, it has, yeah. I guess the new principal, not new anymore, but the principal that they have there now, Damien Shuttleworth, has done some really big things um, since he's come as well. And that's really picked it up. Let's talk about price points. Yeah. How cheap of a house can I buy in Korean if I want to just get in? Well, I guess there's duplexes available. Um, so you could get a, a duplex that needs work um, probably in the... Well, you could get a two-bedroom if you really wanted to get into the area at around that 400 level. These pretty old? I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no subdivision, oh, definitely. right? So these must have been old yeah. duplex halves. S- yep, 70s built yep. or early 70s built. So you can get a two-bedroom for, for around that four and then a three bedroom duplex you're probably looking starting at 450 
going up to mid fives depending on the level of renovation um, as far as houses go you're probably looking more at, i mean a knockdown style house would be in that 550 to 600 range land value yeah really yep. um, depending on on the location in in the area and then a, a four bedroom two bathroom probably still 70s built home would be around that 750 range yep. and then going up from from there How high really does it get? what's the most expensive uh, property karen riches has sold um my record sale for the area which has only just changed and beaten by another agent um was 1.35 million Look, it, i guess it shows that you can have some real nice places in korea yeah and that that was a single residential home on a a really beautiful location one of the the more well-known streets of the area called moniash yep. um, and it was on the park and it Are was only a few years old yeah definitely parkland views there is a couple of streets on the western side of kareen that are quite ele- elevated around um, hazelwood loop and crestbrook way that have some water views or glimpses i guess i'm I would guessing call these them are the ones that can the command distance. seven figures if they wanted to with the right house yeah definitely um and i guess they're a newer home as well newer for kareen so more of your your late 80s build um, i find that interesting along that whole northern strip it always seems like the last estate that was developed was the most western estate yeah i guess it, there are other pockets too but yeah i don't know why it is that way well, it leads well into having some pretty strong values on that western side where these days the value would be on the western side of all of those suburbs mm. just given its proximity to the beach. True, very true. Now, let's talk about development. Yes. This is an R20 suburb. It and is. Most blocks yeah, are very rare. Not 1,000 square <laughs> metres or even 900 square metres. That'd all be in the 700s, I assume. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it doesn't lead well for development. No, However, it doesn't. what do we have that's come in the last couple of years that really has given a little bit renewal and some pressure on prices? Yeah, obviously the, the corner block scenario with the WPC change of guidelines means that you can subdivide, well, if you've got the right um, frontage on a corner block and you're more than 700 square metres. So we are seeing a fair bit of that starting to happen what are they selling in the for? area. Uh, the blocks on their own between four to 450 uh, if if something's built on there, a new, say three bedroom, two bathroom with a home theatre, you know you might sell for seven fifty. Yep. Um, that single level. Yep. Yeah. And what am I buying in at though for that, that old project site? Oh, uh, to develop, yeah. I guess to make it worthwhile, you'd probably be wanting to pick up something in the six hundreds. Is that possible? Yeah, they don't come up very often. No. no. Yeah, and I think you need to be on Karen Rich's email list to uh, <laughs> pick that up. You do, yeah. And and I guess also people that have owned the properties there for some time, it's usually them developing it. Yourself, self-developing. Exactly. They want to stay in the area. have the equity or the income yeah. or the savings to most likely do that if they wanted to. Yeah. Knock it down, rent out for a year and move back into one of them. Mm, I'd say 90% of them are, are that way. Wow. You know, um, that they've owned the the house forever and they want to stay in the area and, and when they look at i guess the changeover and the pricing it is better sometimes for them to just stay where they are and develop it yeah just make yeah. some cash on this on the on the way through but also get rid of that big old backyard yeah and still have the same location yeah that's it but there's still there is obviously still such a big demand for the the bigger homes in kareen and um, that the smaller downsizer type homes yeah, it's still not quite there yet. I think most people who are downsizing out of Kareen do still want to move to that coastal 
element. So yeah. dreams yeah. not the destination for the downsides. Not not always, no. Unless you want familiar familiarity, can't even say. Unless you want something familiar. Yep. Um yeah, it's it's more for yeah, yeah, I guess a family suburb. Do you see ten, fifteen years from now a change up into that space or do you always see Kareen as being a real family stronghold where the especially in the city of Stirling, which has probably overcooked it and realised it in the way that they've rezoned things, recognised from the locals, look, we don't want any more density here. The, the reason we come here is for that family lifestyle. I think it's inevitable. But yeah, I guess as far as the next 10 or 15 years go, uh, I think it'll still be a very strong school family suburb. I, I can't see it being too developed like the other suburbs. And I guess I, I compare it to city of Joondalup and when they did their rezoning it took what 10 years of them talking about it before they even did it lots of back and and forth with the community and ended up obviously being strategic pockets around train stations and those places and i I think that there's probably a place for that in every suburb around the train station immediately around the school so i think kareen could probably do with that itself anyway at some point but it doesn't seem like there's a necessity for it right now no and perhaps not the demand for it either because it's just been done through Duncraig and surrounding suburbs, exactly. so we don't need the infill. Karen, last question: What's the median house price in Corrine? Uh, it's sitting almost at eight hundred again now. I guess that gives you a little bit of scope here for the next for the, the the next question that comes in part B. If you had that in your pocket, Karen, eight hundred grand, what would you buy? I would probably do a development. I'd probably buy a, a corner lot and and develop it that way, or alternatively, yeah, probably not. I, I love the nineteen eighties homes i love the style of them the the open plan it's almost a modern design so that would probably be my second choice yeah i think that covers most of the suburb doesn't it it does yeah lucky you (laughs) karen richards thank you very much for coming in and chatting kareen it's been a a very informative but also concise episode really we'll have you in again i guess in a year when we've got some more updates and hopefully on a market side some even more positive things to say let's hope so thank you for listening to another episode of the perth property show If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!